I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb. I have a dream. That's all I need. I'll make it what is going on, everyone? And thank you all very much for joining me here live on the PTP show, Pardon the Pipe Bomb, in my house in the 412 area code. Right here on the PTP show, Pardon the Pipe Bomb. And with SummerSlam in our rearview mirror and with SmackDown Live happening just last night and Monday Night Raw happening two nights ago, we are in the after effects of SummerSlam. And I remember when SummerSlam used to be kind of like a big deal. I remember when they used to have an Elimination Chamber matches on SummerSlam. They used to have uh, First Blood matches on SummerSlam. Just matches that made everything feel special. And SummerSlam used to be the biggest party of the summer. And with SummerSlam, you would have basically the seeds being planted for uh, like a WrestleMania main event. And nowadays, we aren't getting that shit. <laughs> but thank you all very much for joining me again. This is episode number 12. Episode number 12. I haven't been here uh, in the past two weeks. Last week, I was just a bit busy with work. I just didn't have time. I was super tired. And this past weekend, I was going to do a predictions, but my buddy Matt he came up from Erie, and we all went out. We went on a night on the town, two, two single guys, and we almost got lucky uh, uh, the first night. Had a couple girls, and uh, yeah, struck out. But if you ain't swinging, you ain't trying. We didn't strike out looking. <laughs> we struck out swinging. <laughs> Shout out to you, Matt. But yeah, we, uh, we almost took a couple girls home. I know you guys don't want to probably hear that, but... Had it in the bag. I was a great wingman. Matt did the talking. Started going up to the like uh, the girl that he was talking to. Went up to her friends. Yeah, almost got it. Almost got it. But oh well, man. But anyways, uh, but yeah, got completely plastered uh, like this past weekend. Didn't really watch NXT Takeover, but uh, on on Saturday night when me and him were pre gaming, uh, we I caught the end of the Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano two, best two out of three falls match. Thought it was interesting, thought it was good, but I definitely can feel the um, difference for NXT with Vince McMahon looming into that type of organization, and it's such a fucking shame. But with the start of this show, I'm gonna just talk about some of the show, like, no, talk about some of the matches that happened on SummerSlam, and for obvious reasons, I'm going to start off with the best thing that happened uh, at SummerSlam, and obviously, it's Bray Wyatt, and besides Bray Wyatt debuting his new gimmick, I thought SummerSlam was, you know, eh, it was alright, I didn't really care for it, I, I thought it was okay, wasn't bad, wasn't great, but I thought, in my opinion, there were four great moments. Four great moments where I got up out of my seat and I enjoyed some moments. Obviously, n- number one, obviously, has to be Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's uh, uh, entrance, uh, his whole gimmick, uh, Finn Balor's reaction, Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. But the other announcer just sold the fuck out of Bray Wyatt and 
like, I'll tell you what, man. This kid right here, man, he's something special, man. <laughs> That's my John Gruden <laughs> impression. But when I was watching it live, I remember that, like, from my memory, I'm trying to remember how I reacted. I was just sitting in awe when Finn Balor came out with his all-white gimmick, uh, tried to be, like, the son of God and, like, be the knight in shining savior. And I'm like, okay, that's a little gay, whatever. And I'm sitting there waiting patiently. How's this theme song going to be like? What, like, how is it going to be approached? And just like the Firefly Funhouse, started off with the Firefly Funhouse and cut off like a script, like an old time script. And you just see on the Titatron, let him in, all black, lights all go out, and it's all dark. And then all of a sudden, his music comes on, which is fucking great. And you just see his old lantern as old Bray Wyatt gimmick. But his lantern now is the old character of Bray Wyatt's head as a lantern. And it is beautifully done. It is fucking awesome. I'm getting goosebumps like thinking about it. I'm a grown ass man. And I'm telling you guys, I'm going to have legit nightmares. And... Maybe the reason why SummerSlam was TV 14, maybe that's why. And with Bray Wyatt coming out to that, his song, uh, just his persona as The Fiend, fantastic. It was excellent. But whoever is in charge of that whole Bray Wyatt gimmick deserves an Oscar. The camera angles were great. Um, I thought... Everything about it was fantastic. Now, I'll talk about it later in a sec. That was obvious, the great moment number one. The second greatest moment where I had like a nice, um, you know, pop that I got up out of my seat. Edge came out. Edge had a moment. And he speared Elias, which made it even ten times better. And I'm surprised that WWE let this happen. Because with uh, Edge's neck issues, I'm surprised that WWE even let him do a spear in that ring but you know I'm I'm being told that like with a bunch of rumors and people talking I'm being told that Vince McMahon he was not a fan of it at all and for obvious reasons but whatever had a great moment for Edge and that wasn't even a match but the third moment that I really enjoyed was Trish Stratus and Charlotte I thought these two at the beginning of the match it kind of sucked uh, the Toronto fans, I mean, whenever like Toronto is being hosted for a Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night SmackDown, the shows are good because the fans are alive. And I was excited for SummerSlam being a part of Toronto, but I don't know. The Toronto fans just didn't really care for any women's matches. Uh, well, obviously, besides uh, Becky Lynch and um, um, uh, Natalia starting off SummerSlam. I mean, it was good, but... And, I don't know, just the fans at the beginning of the match for Trish Stratus and Charlotte, it was boring at first, and then as the match picked up, and as, um, you know, the the rust came off of the wheels for uh, Trish Stratus, uh, it was good, and I loved the ending, Trish Stratus, uh, she's been, uh, it's been being reported that Trish has been working hard in the ring and trying to learn like uh, some new stuff before she goes um, like into that ring and she did a figure eight of herself and it was good Charlie came out 
very um, uh, victorious, but that's pretty much it. And the other great moment was obvious, and I'm ending it with this, is Seth Rollins of Brock Lesnar. This match was probably the best title defense for a Universal Champion in recent memory. Probably better than any title reign uh, from Kevin Owens, probably better than uh, uh, before uh, Brock Lesnar had the title now, before any of those matches. Well, no, that's kind of a lie. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But in, in recent memory, this is by far the best um, title defense for the Universal Champion that Brock Lesnar has been a part of in quite some time. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, right off the bat, the match was great. And those were my four biggest uh, highlight points for uh, SummerSlam. And some of the other matches, though, I mean, like, besides me saying that, the last two matches of the night for SummerSlam uh, was amazing with Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor. um, And obviously, just like I said, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. Those two, god damn it, I have my neighbor doing his fucking weed whacking right now right now you're gonna do weed whacking at fucking 7 50 p.m eastern the fuck dumbass anyway but with those last two matches uh the ending with seth rollins winning the universal champion yeah it was cliche whatever but the whole match itself was very enjoyable to watch so kudos to you wwe for doing that Another match. That is going to be so fucking annoying. I think that he's getting closer. Huh, I, I do like that song. <laughs> Anyways, another match that I want to talk about is Dolph Ziggler and Goldberg. Now, we all know why this match was happening. We all know why. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Goldberg. Goldberg had to get a redemption match, and this is exactly what it was. This match was a redemption match for Bill Goldberg, and... Honestly, he couldn't have picked a better superstar to do it for him. Dolph, I mean, Nick is his real name. He sold the fuck out of Goldberg's spear. I've never seen... I've been... When I was a a younger kid, you all know that when I was a kid, I was a huge Bill Goldberg fan. And I have never seen anyone sell a spear like Dolph Ziggler has. He is a true superstar, and he is a... Great sportman. He made Goldberg look like his old self. I will say that. He was a perfect candidate to do uh, the jackhammer. Perfect candidate to do the spear. He did a backflip when Goldberg connected with him with his spear. And he did it two more times. And call me crazy, but I'm kind of liking the Dolph Ziggler after when he loses like the matches. He gets a microphone and he just does his thing. I'm starting to kind of like it. It's weird. I... Don't usually like shit like that, but he's kind of selling me. I like it. But, I mean, after $600,000, I better be winning a fucking match as well. (laughs) Anyways, um, another one that I really enjoyed on SummerSlam. uh, It was Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. Now, this match was a bit of a letdown. It was nothing special. I thought it was going to be a lot better, and it wasn't. There were good moments, don't get me wrong, but the way that the match ended was, in fact, bullshit, just like the fans said, and with the crowd, I don't know, the crowd had like a mixed feeling of Kofi, like, 
Kofi's yeah, Kofi's boring. Randy sucks. That was the uh, chants that were going on throughout the whole match, and I could hear a couple uh, CM Punk chants. I don't know, but just like WrestleMania, SummerSlam speaks for itself. They uh, WWE knows people are going to be tuning in for SummerSlam, so. They don't really have to try. They just have to have the superstars show up and the fans will show up too just because of the name SummerSlam or just because of the name WrestleMania. So I'm not at all surprised that SummerSlam wasn't great. It was a decent, nothing special event. That's my take on it. And Kofi, I want to get this off my chest. I'm not racist whatsoever. And if anyone is listening to this podcast and whatever color like you are, I am not racist at all. So don't take offense to this when I say this shit. Kofi needs the WWE championship title off of him. I was just telling my my buddy Matt when he came down, I asked him, who do you think is a more believable champion, Kofi Kingston or Randy Orton? No hesitation. He said Randy Orton. And he's not even a casual WWE fan. So it's not believable that Kofi Kingston is a champion. Now, take it for granted, he's a great technical wrestler. Him and and Xavier Woods both are phenomenal technical wrestlers. But he needs to end the title reign. And honestly, SummerSlam should have been it. SummerSlam should have been it to have Randy Orton have the title on him and not Kofi Kingston. It was a perfect opportunity to get that title onto Randy Orton and have him become a 14-time WWE champion. But, you know, instead, they're going to have a match end in a double countout, which that was the quickest double countout I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was a, a, uh, a disqualification. I mean, that's what the ring announcer or the, uh, the commentator said. It was a DQ. Even they were confused. And I thought it was a disqualification because of Kofi Kingston's son who wouldn't shut his fucking mouth. That shit, I don't know why, but that shit crawled underneath my skin. I didn't like that. But Kofi Kingston, at best, is a mid-card wrestler. Haters can say whatever you want. But I know intelligent people, and they say the same thing. And I agree with them. At best, Kofi Kingston is a mid-card wrestler, and he should get that title off of him. I'm going to leave it at that. But I'm sorry. I I got to go back. I have to go back to this. I don't got to. I have to. Another key point at WrestleMania, and the only thing that made WrestleMania relevant, is Bray Wyatt. The talk of the night was his entrance. His old character's head on the lantern, the song, the entrance, the commentators the way that he wrestled in the ring him holding his mask hurt heel brilliant everything was perfectly done and this is the first time in a long time that I feel that WWE has something special and I swear to Christ if WWE if you fuck this up I hope you're listening if you fuck this up you're going to get a lot of pissed off people. There's no way you can ruin or fuck up something that is this special. And kudos for you for not having him on Monday Night Raw or, or Tuesday Night SmackDown. And that was a good card to pull. 
And thank God you did that. I mean, there are reports that are saying that WWE wants to have Bray Wyatt feel special and only have them show up for important Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night SmackDown. But it's being leaned towards that he's going to be a SmackDown superstar because they're going to be out of the wild card picture. And they're going to softly get out of that. Thank God for that as well. But the whole entrance was my favorite part of the whole night. I actually took the remote after when the match was over and when they were going on to the Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar match, I rewind to the start of his entrance because it was just so good. I remember sitting there on my couch just in awe and couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I got goosebumps and just my mouth was just to the floor. My jaw was just dropped. And I couldn't believe that this is this is it. This is the next big thing. This is the next big time superstar. And now I want to make note of something too. When the match was over, Corey Graves said something about, I, I, I forget what he says, but something along the lines of, I'm not trying to make any comparisons, but I haven't seen anything like this since The Undertaker. That line right there, I was going to say this at the very end when I, um, I break out my news, but that line right there was definitely, definitely fed from Vince McMahon. And some are speculating that they will come at each other again. And if Bray Wyatt doesn't have any gold around his waist, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, and The Undertaker face off each other at WrestleMania and retire Undertaker finally and have him take the torch of the next big thing or the next scariest thing as Bray Wyatt the Fiend is. And that would be brilliant. And I think that's what WWE should do. But with them, everything changes. And that's the world that we live in for WWE. But enough on that. I promise I'm done talking about Bray Wyatt, but that is the best part about the whole night of SummerSlam. And say what you want, but everyone loves it. And me... It is on my playlist for my gym playlist, and I worked out to it, and holy shit, I had a great fucking workout with it. <laughs> Next and final match uh, that I enjoyed on SummerSlam. Obviously, I did like uh, the, the opening one of Becky Lynch and Natalia, but it was a good starter. It was a good match to open up uh, SummerSlam uh, with Natalia being the hometown person. It was a good, decent match. It felt like a classic uh, when I used to watch it with uh, them targeting an area for them being a submission match. Uh, Becky Lynch obviously targeted the elbow and um, Natalia targeted Ronda Rouse, or not, not Ronda Rouse, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Becky Lynch's uh, knee because of her history. So the match had uh, uh, logic involved in it and I could appreciate that. So, but with that match, it was a decent start off match and a good opening match. So I enjoyed it. But again, the uh, Canadian crowd, they, if it wasn't for uh, Natalia and for that being the opening match, I felt like the crowd wouldn't have been really into it as much. But the last match that I will say that had me on my seat the whole time from the beginning was the, the Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar match. Probably the best match for the Universal Champion, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast right here. Uh, when, 
when Brock Lesnar wants to put on a great match, he can. He can do so. This whole match between him and Seth Rollins, he sold this match. I, 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 was, I was just about to say sold the fuck out of this match, but I say that too much. I, I need to watch my mouth. Brad Shepard, JD, John, Mike, everyone who says this, I agree with them. And they say that Brock Lesnar is underappreciative in that ring. And I can agree. They are right. We got to look back at a couple matches now when I say this. Because when we say that he's underappreciative, he is. Look back now. Survivor Series when AJ Styles was WWE champion and Brock Lesnar when he was a Universal champion. That match was great. We go back next year with AJ with uh, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar. That match, again, great match. And both those matches, Brock Lesnar won. Still, great match. It was something different. And then we jump forward a little bit longer. Uh, I think it was at, oh yeah, Roy Rumble. Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor. Great match as well. Fantastic match. Now, we come back to right here. Seth Rollins. Even Seth Rollins back at WrestleMania 31 when he cashed in the money in the bank. Great match. And then we go back to WrestleMania 35 between Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. Great match again. Now, when SummerSlam came along, everyone was like, oh, we don't want to see another Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar match. It's tiring now. It's like another Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. But this match, this match right here on SummerSlam in 2019, this match, again, was great. These type of matches are what make Brock Lesnar good. If you let Brock Lesnar do some of the things that he did in all the matches that I said previously, it can be a great match. And Brock Lesnar, therefore, is underutilized and underappreciative. Underappreciated. <laughs> and it was a great match. And I'm talking about the one that just happened at SummerSlam. From the beginning, from the gate, you had Seth Rollins backflip from Brock Lesnar's suplex. And... He did it once, he did it twice, I believe he did it a, like a third time. But they were all correctly spaced out. And the commentators wanted like to say that Seth Rollins' uh, adrenaline was rushing, so the pain wasn't there as much. Yeah, okay, but Seth Rollins didn't really sell it as much later on into the match. Brock Lesnar did more selling than Seth Rollins did. That's saying something. And at the end, though, you had Seth Rollins winning the Universal Champion. And I didn't really care for it, though. It was a good match. I enjoyed it. But I didn't really care that Seth Rollins won the Universal Champion. I really thought that Brock Lesnar was going to win. Same with Randy Orton. I really thought Randy Orton was going to win against Kofi Kingston. But, hey, I was wrong. And I thought maybe they would have more intelligence when trying to, to create some sort of storyline with it, but what do I know? Whatever. But with Seth Rollins winning, they had Pyro for SummerSlam, and Seth Rollins went off into the sunset with his beautiful red belt of the Universal Championship. Now, with all that being said, 
that was SummerSlam of 2019 in a nutshell, basically. He had a couple other matches, but I didn't. I do not really care to even talk about them, and that's how I feel about it. But again, if you want to follow me on any social media, you can, and you know where? Twitter at PC underscore Flamio eight one four to get any 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 updates, or if you want to interact with me, like I interacted with uh, Mister Insider. And with a fake avatar as his profile picture because he's too much of a coward to have his face on there. But whatever. I digress. So, after that being said, we have Monday Night Raw. And I I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to say? It was a good show. I mean, it was a bad show. Whatever you want me to say, it doesn't really matter. It was Monday Night Raw. And the only good thing that came out of it was they brought back something great. The King of the Ring is back. And you know me. Me and my other wrestling fans, I'm a tournament guy. I love tournaments. I love the Mae Young Classic, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. All those are great. Uh, I mean, they are... It gives meaning to why that there's a tournament... And whoever wins the tournament, they win a championship belt. And to me, that's how you really create a superstar. Now, that being said, I really hope that WWE doesn't do the whole King gimmick. The only King gimmick that worked was King Booker. That's the only gimmick that worked. Because one, you can't really replicate a King Booker. Uh, there was King Barrett. Uh, there was King Regal. I mean, he kind of did it, but it was just like a dying thing, and you can't do that again. And I really hope that WWE doesn't do the same thing with the King gimmick. So, hopefully, with that being said, whoever does win the King of the Ring deserves to get a number one contenders of their choosing. So, hopefully, they can strike it right, and hopefully, Triple H is has his hand in it and is giving them ideas like on what to do that we can only hope for because if Vince McMahon is behind this which I really think that he is because with the whole G1 uh, uh, tournament that just happened it's no coincidence that the King of the Ring is returning after the big event from the Japan Wrestling G1 Climax for the tournament challenge not really sure like how all that is how it was done but one can only think that that is exactly what is happening. But everyone that is confirmed for King of the Ring is The Miz, which I don't think he's going to uh, win it. Uh, as long as he's babyface, there is nowhere for... Oh, my phone just went out. Oh, hey, would you look at that? Angels are now leading against the Pirates, 4-2. to two. <laughs> But as long as The Miz is babyface, uh, he is not going to be winning any matches anytime soon. Uh, Ricochet, I can see him going, let's just say, for NCAA like bracket terms. I can see uh, Ricochet going to the Elite Eight and or Final Four, because uh, right now there are a total of 16 partici participants. So it's already the Sweet 16. Everyone's already in the Sweet 16, and I can see Ricochet going to the Final Four, definitely, or have him lose in the first round. Uh, Drew McIntyre. Now, with Drew McIntyre, I truly think that 
Drew McIntyre, he should win it. But as long as Drew McIntyre is on the type of heel, a horrible heel run as he is right now, he's not going to win. But I could see him going um, also to the Elite Eight, just winning one match and losing uh, the next. Him getting screwed, maybe. I don't know. But he needs to connect to the fans. I think uh, Drew McIntyre, he needs to build some sort of um, a dialogue with us fans and connect with the fans as a heel. Right now, he's just a boring heel, and I think he needs to reimagine his um, like his character. Don't know why I, I stuttered there. I do have a stuttering problem. In case if you haven't noticed, I say I'm a lot, so I do apologize. Um Mustafa Ali, he's in it. At first, when I saw this uh, list that came out for all the participants, I said uh, Mustafa Ali is winning it. But after seeing uh, him on, like this past week on the WWE TV shows, I'm a big fan of of Mustafa Ali. But honestly, his uh, his gimmick that he um, still has that one chance. That one shot to make a big impression. Alright, that shit's getting old now. Now, I'm not a Mustafa Ali fan. I think he's great in the ring, but the way that WWE is having his um, in-ring, like the way that he comes off on the mic, I don't like it. I think he needs work, but obviously his um, in-ring technicality of being a WWE wrestler is phenomenal. But at first, I had Mustafa Ali winning it. But now I think he's going to lose in the first round because I don't know where they're going with this. Kevin Owens. I could definitely see uh, Kevin Owens going into the final round or the um, yeah the final spot because right now he is, whether people hate it, whether people love it, he is the top babyface in WWE right now. From the reaction that he got from Tuesday Night SmackDown when Shane McMahon came out, it was a good promo, but... I think uh, Kevin Owens is going to definitely be a part of the finals or like potentially one of the finals that's going to be in King of the Ring. And I don't know when King of the Ring is going to be happening. I'm being told that King of Ring, King of the Ring is uh, going to be the finals is going to be at uh, Class of Champions or whatever the fuck that next pay-per-view is going to be called. Um Night of Champions, I think that's what, yeah, yeah, Night of Champions, Um, so that could happen, but Kevin Owens, expect him to go far, Uh, Chad Gable, now, to me, I think Chad Gable is going to be a dark horse in this tournament, and really, for the whole King of the Ring purpose, it's to bring the underdog out of it, like, I mean, just like in the NCAA bracket, everyone always roots for that 16th seed, or what seed is it? Uh, the 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 12th seed or... Fuck, I don't remember. The, the, the highest seed. Everyone always wants the highest seed to win it all. The Cinderella story. So, with Chad Gable not really doing much, uh, I could see him definitely being the, uh, the dark horse of the tournament. So, uh, be ready for Chad Gable. Now, Andrade Cianalmas. I think Andrade, he has the highest chance to win the King of the Ring tournament. With that being said, remember, Andrade is being very high praised in the back of WWE. Uh, he's dating Charlotte, so that obviously gives him like a little boost. Uh, he's great in the, fantastic in the ring. And plus, having him be king of the ring with uh, Zelina Vague right there on his side. 
that is money right there. That is absolute money. Uh, but so in my opinion, I think Andrade is one of the top guys, including Kevin Owens, to be um, the finalist uh, for the King of the Ring or even being like the final four. Shelton Benjamin, uh, I don't see him doing anything. I see him losing in the first round. His uh, It's being told around uh, in the WWE locker room that he's going to be a part of the 24-7 championship belt. Don't know when that will happen, but it's being told and it's being rumored that uh, Shelton Benjamin will be uh, looking his eyes towards the 24-7 title. Sami Zayn. With Sami Zayn, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, phenomenal technical wrestler in that ring. But ever since he came back, guys, he has not won a single match since he debuted on the day after WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw. Think about that. Let that sink in. The man has not won a match since his return. Got to feel for him. Cedric Alexander. I like him. But I don't see him winning uh, the tournament at all. So, moving on. Baron Corbin. Moving on. <laughs> Apollo Crews. He's getting. He's starting to get like a nice push. Um, I can definitely see him w- winning a match and going to the Elite Eight, but nothing else. I don't see anything else happening with that. And Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy has been the talk of the week. And... When I talk about SmackDown after when I talk about Raw here, uh, you're going to know why. But I can see Buddy Murphy easily, he as he should, he should easily be in the Final Four. But knowing WWE, I think he's just going to go to the Elite Eight and then that's it. Um, what else do we have? Who else? Uh, Cesaro. Phenomenal wrestler as, as well, but... Don't see him going far. I see him losing the first match. Elias. If Shane McMahon isn't a part of Elias, I see Elias losing the very first match. Uh, Samoa Joe. I see Samoa Joe. If he's going to be a babyface here, I think he is going to... um, I think he's going to go far for the King of the Ring tournament. But as of right now, those are the uh, competitors uh, that are confirmed for King of the Ring. Maybe more are going to be added. But as of right now, all the superstars that I mentioned, um, I feel that those are good wrestlers and a believable King of the Ring type of tournament. So I like all that. I like what I saw and the promo work for... Kevin Owens, uh, that happened this past Tuesday of him, like, kind of, like, entering himself into the um, King of the Ring and saying that he loved it when he was a kid. He idolized it. I really liked that. I thought that that was a nice um, added gesture uh, to his uh, promo that he did on Tuesday Night SmackDown. But we're not talking about Tuesday Night SmackDown. We're talking about Monday Night Raw. Uh, and Rollins, he kicked off a Monday Night Raw. And, of course, AJ Styles, he interrupted, and which then again brought a match that was going to happen at the end of the night of Monday Night Raw. Uh, What else happened on Monday Night Raw? And, oh yes, 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 yes. I love what I'm about to say. Now, as I said on Twitter, uh, I retweeted that Brad Shepard would be reporting that Sasha Banks will be, her return is inevitable. And that she will return sometime this week, either SummerSlam, Raw, or Tuesday Night SmackDown. And 
obviously, whoever his source is, they were right. And this return of Sasha Banks was great. And it's about damn time. And with Natalia coming out in a sling, she was saying that she suffered an injury. I don't know if that injury is 100% real or if it was for Sasha Banks to come out and sell that Sasha Banks doesn't give a fuck anymore. But the boss is back and Raw has been desperately needing a top heel for that roster and for somebody for Becky Lynch to have as an opponent and I hope that this does prolong all the way until the Royal Rumble and have this feud just build up build up build up and just become something bigger than it needs to be so with the boss as in Sasha Banks being back um she went into the ring though and she hugged Natalia and was about to get a mic and then slapped Natalia in the face took off her fake purple hair and has blue hair now showing that she's a new type of ego and a new type of superstar so I love that she has blue hair looking great as ever Sasha Banks I love you <laughs> not really but my god you look great I love the blue hair uh, and I think that with your heel turn, you're going to go back to your roots of NXT. And that is the Sasha Banks that we need. And I'm the biggest fan of this. And I think with Sasha Banks being back and having Becky Lynch come out and have her interrupt Sasha Banks, it was a good thing to have. I liked it. But at the same time, I think that it's way too soon. I think that they should have. Um, I wish that timing was a little better. I think with the right leeway that these two superstars will have, I think that these her and Becky Lynch will have a great match at um, at whatever uh, Night of Champions. I think that they're going to have a great match. But I wish that it was at a bigger stage. Like I wish that this was our our our, our SummerSlam matchup, but instead we're going to have it for uh, the next pay per view. And I really hope that this prolongs all the way until the Royal Rumble or something because Sasha Banks deserves that. She looked great in the ring, especially as a heel. So Lynch and Banks is definitely a headline attraction. No question about it. And for Class of Champions, so it will definitely happen there. And it finally, finally feels, though, that Raw has a legitimate Raw Women's Championship match and a challenger who is definitely believable that can defeat Becky Lynch so one can only hope that maybe legitimately she can dethrone Becky Lynch so hopefully Sasha Banks will go on a nice run as champion moving on though Samoa Joe now I said this when I was naming the king of the ring um, confirmed superstars that were going to be on it it seems, though, that WWE is slowly turning Samoa Joe babyface. I don't think that's the right move. If they're turning him babyface, they need to do it like he is a badass babyface and doesn't really... Uh, not corny, not the way that other babyfaces are, or kind of like not... Just basically don't be like Kofi Kingston. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but seriously, don't be like Kofi Kingston. I, I mean, if you're turning him babyface, um, then... 
it doesn't need to happen overnight, but let it slowly sink in and maybe WWE will do it right. Uh, Samoa Joe, he faced off uh, Sami Zayn in a match that was literally maybe a D. Uh, easily an F, in my opinion. Uh, Bleacher Report, they had it as a D-plus type of match. I thought that it was not even worthy because we all know that Sami Zayn is a loser. Why do you have to stop him? It's, it's basically like if you're in a fight, and like a real fight, like you're in a fight with a, like somebody who you just dislike. Even that person that you dislike, after when you beat the fuck out of them, they're on the ground. You don't stomp on them while they're down. That's just stupid. So for some reason, WWE is just doing this to uh, Sami Zayn. And I personally feel that it's uh, his AEW uh, comment that he did on live television. So who knows? But next thing that I found very interesting, and I think that WWE is doing a turn for Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler may be in next superstar that is just going to be a comedian act. Kind of like how R-Truth is. Someone who is not taken seriously. I mean, I kind of like it though. I don't know what it is, but I like it. I mean, if you watched SummerSlam and when he got speared three times, he got the microphone every time and just basically him trash talking uh, whoever beat the or whoever beat his ass. And I, I, honestly, I can dig it because Dolph Ziggler, he's great on the mic. Um, and when he runs his mouth, um, it's all good shit for him. It's good shit. But after when he was fighting Dolph Ziggler... Uh, he was just like running his mouth and the Miz won and he was leaving the ring or like something like that. And then you had Dolph Ziggler on the microphone, basically do the same thing that he did with Goldberg and the Miz came back and did what he had to do. And, um, you know, kind of put the pup down <laughs> at this point though. I mean, it would take some kind of, uh, intervention, uh, for him to become a rel- like relevant again. So maybe WWE is just doing this and saying, you know what, let's just make you a comedian act and let's just do you as that type of superstar. Because right now, Dolph Ziggler has been in a hole. He's in a much bigger hole, deeper than um, uh, Sami Zayn is. And that's fucking saying something. And Ziggler is in no way the type of superstar that he was almost nearly 10 years ago when he won the World Heavyweight Championship match uh, when he cashed in that belt. So it's 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 sad. But we all thought that maybe uh, Dolph Ziggler would be in a match with HBK Shawn Michaels. That kind of had a little interest with me, but no, not going to happen. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. All right, well, but if Ziggler wants to remain on the card, I think that obviously that is probably his best option as to becoming a comedian act type of superstar like R-Truth or some other type of superstars. Like I said uh, before, Drew McIntyre and uh, Cedric Alexander, they had a great match on Raw, I thought. And it's surprisingly very uh, interesting to watch uh, with Cedric Alexander and Drew McIntyre in that ring. And like I said before, I think Drew McIntyre is the right candidate to become the King of the Ring champion, or basically just the King of the Ring, and have his title shot and to be number one contender. But uh, the way that he is, I think that before Drew McIntyre does that, I think that he just needs to connect with the fans somehow. And he needs to connect with like the fans 
as being a heel and doing it right. But right now, he is a very dull heel. He's very boring. And I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but they need to do something quick and something fast. And the one other thing that I want to talk about, Raw, when AJ Styles and Seth Rollins were facing each other on Raw, they faced each other, they fought, and of course, uh, the OC got got involved. And as the OC got involved, um, they were attacking Seth Rollins. And sorry, I'm I'm reading some. I can barely multitask. It's fucking horrible. But as the OC was attacking Seth Rollins, uh, Ricochet came out to help. And as Ricochet came out, it's still like the uh, the numbers game. The OC was attacking, attacking, and they were doing a beatdown. And then all of a sudden, you heard Braun Strowman's music come on. And obviously, Braun Strowman came to the rescue. And as everyone cleared the ring, Braun Strowman comes to aid Seth Rollins. And it seems to be that maybe... WWE is going to be having Braun Strowman as Seth Rollins' next opponent. I don't know if that's at Clash of Champions or like whatever you want to fucking call it. Or, I mean, maybe it could be at Royal Rumble or maybe it's just seeds being planted for a future type of match. But right now, that's what it seems like that is what's going to be happening. Rollins versus Strowman is, in my opinion... It's money. Because one, I've never seen it. Two, I think Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman could have a very, very great match. I think Seth Rollins can sell in the match while Braun Strowman can just throw Seth Rollins in the, in the match like a ragdoll. <laughs> kind of like what Brock Lesnar did uh, at SummerSlam. But it may be too early. Like I said, if it happens at Clash of Champions, I think it's the wrong call. <sighs> WWE just needs to make timing right. They want to do everything now. That's their problem. I mean, if he does challenge uh, Seth Rollins, it's too soon. Same with AJ Styles. We've seen it already, but those two can put on a great match. Given the right opportunity, I think same thing with Rollins and Strowman. I think that they can have a great match. Either way... Uh, I think Styles is going to be losing that U.S. title here soon, and I think he's going to be eyeing his eyesight on um, the Universal Champion, uh, especially with the OC having the Raw Tag Team Champions, which I really hope WWE still makes that title relevant. But either way, it is nice to have uh, Braun Strowman in the title picture again, uh, even though I think he's definitely overrated now. I think WWE sh- showed his true colors when him and Brock Lesnar were in a fight with each other and when Braun Strowman was on the mic. You can clearly tell that the mic isn't the best thing for Braun Strowman. And if any of you remember that um, that cringeworthy uh, promo, uh, y'all will know what I am talking about. Now, Let's move on to SmackDown, though. I mean, I really don't care anything else that happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Oh, yeah. You had Elias winning the 24-7 title. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, The talk of the night on SmackDown was obviously Buddy Murphy. And Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns had a great, 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 great match. And that is how you elevate a superstar. You get him to somebody who has credibility towards his character... Unfortunately, that is Roman Reigns. And you had Buddy Murphy 
have a match that was very, very good against um, Roman Reigns. They had great chemistry in the ring. Uh, I, For a couple times, I really thought Buddy Murphy was going to win this match. Because one, it was just on SmackDown, and I like there were near falls after near falls. And if Buddy Murphy had defeated Roman Reigns Tuesday night, it would have had Twitter absolutely buzzing. I mean, I was at work, and all that I could see on Twitter was just about Buddy Murphy and and um, uh, Roman Reigns for a straight hour. And so, with all that being said. Um, in losing to Roman Reigns, though, uh, the quality of the performance of the match did not go unnoticed. Uh, both of them were actually very good. Even Ro- Roman Reigns was good in this match, but Buddy Murphy was the reason why this match was money. Murphy basically has an opportunity for a huge momentum build, and I think it's going to be uh, transformed into the King of the Ring, and I think he might be winning the King of the Ring um, tournament. And Murphy has been great when he was at 205 Live. And ever since he has been moved up to the main roster, nothing has been happening with him. So only time will tell. I think he is going to be in for a major push after this type of match. I really hope WWE pulls the trigger on him because Buddy Murphy is one hell of an athlete. I know when I was watching 205 Live, when he was Cruiserweight Champion, he was something special. He was something special, man. (laughs) But... WWE Creative, uh, they have to nail the head on this one, and I really hope that Buddy Murphy does find himself ready to break out, and more performers like this are good to fight against Roman Reigns, because Roman Reigns, he is a believable star at the uh, casual WWE fan, and with uh, Reigns having Buddy Murphy be exposed on TV, showing that he can keep up with the big dog, it's good for the character. Now, Shane McMahon, it only took SmackDown seven minutes to cue Shane McMahon's music on SmackDown. When Kevin Owens came out, he pulled out a great promo. Yes, he did. It was very believable. He was, uh, it, it, it felt real. And I love it when WWE superstars bring in their real life uh, stories. And you could tell that it definitely hits you in the feels. So... I can appreciate what Kevin Owens was trying to do. And with that being said, when he was starting off with uh, him saying, I'm entering the King of the Ring tournament, and all of a sudden you hear uh, Shane McMahon's music hit and saying that you cheated and you're a cheater, Kevin, all that other stuff, and saying that I'm in no condition to compete tonight. But before I compete, uh, he booked Kevin Owens in a match and he said he'll tell you him where uh, Kevin Owens is going to be facing, and that person was Samoa Joe, which turned out to be not that great of a match. But but after when he said that, he slapped Kevin Owens with one hundred thousand dollars in a fine for hitting a referee known as Elias. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Now when WWE does this, I don't believe it. I hate it when they do this. I think it's very cliche. They try to make it feel real when obviously it isn't. And obviously we all we all like wrestling, but it just felt fake. But when Kevin Owens got slapped with the fine, he said, Listen, man, $100,000 probably is nothing towards you. But to me, I got a family. That's my son's 
college education right there. So like when he brought up stuff like that, like real life stuff to connect with us, to connect with me or you as fans, I felt that. And I liked that Kevin Owens acknowledged that. And now it's me. When he said that, I was like, yeah, no, he's got a point. That would fucking suck. Now me as a fan, I feel connected to it. Now that's good shit. Now, I'm even more behind on Kevin Owens, but unfortunately, it seems like uh, WWE Creative has done it this frequently in the past with them slapping fines, but this one, for some reason, just feels different, and with Owens's, yeah, Owens's win at SummerSlam, everyone thought, all right, cool, we're not going to see Shane McMahon on TV. Ah, uh, not so fast. We still see Shane on TV. So I then ask you, WWE, what was the point of having this match? There was only one stipulation. If Kevin Owens loses, he has to quit. There should have been a stipulation for Shane McMahon. Obviously, when they didn't put the stipulation for Shane McMahon, I knew either way, win or lose, we're still going to get Shane. So good job, WWE. I still don't give a shit about this type of feud. And if this feud lasts all the way until... WrestleMania, you guys, this is going to get stale. <laughs> the only time something that uh, that was a prolonged um, uh, rivalry that worked was HBK and Vince McMahon. That was at WrestleMania 22, I believe. That was a good feud. But I don't think nothing like that will ever happen again because we live in, in a society now that everyone wants to make it happen now. But... Instead, McMahon, he returns as if nothing happened, eager to get his revenge and defeat Kevin Owens once again. And it's just the same story. So what I'm telling you guys is that this is going to get stale if they keep doing the same shit, if they keep doing the same thing. The win should have propelled Kevin Owens to have something bigger. They should have left Shane McMahon alone. I mean, he could still be on the show, but let him you know do like not have him be on the show as much anymore so i think wwe fucked up on that one whatever another match that i really liked on smackdown it was uh charlotte flair and ember moon now i watched some of it this was the time when i just got back home from work and um i recorded it and i tried to like watch it i was just doing shit but I caught glimpse of it, and I really liked it. Uh, Charlotte, she definitely has credibility towards her character, and I think that she's a very believable star. Her win against Trish Stratus was definitely probably the better women's match of that night. The best, no, the best women's match of that night at SummerSlam, hands down. Better than Becky and Ember Moon, and better than... uh, uh, Becky Lynch and uh, Natalia, for sure. Now with um, Tuesday though, Charlotte she was competing against Ember Moon, and we all know that um, Vince McMahon he he's not a huge fan of Ember Moon. Maybe he's racist. I don't know, but with Ember Moon and uh, Charlotte they put on a very good match. With Moon uh, just being defeated by Bailey at SummerSlam uh, and now having her lose against Charlotte, she is probably not going to be doing anything for her character for a little bit here. I mean, uh, take into consideration though uh, the fact that Becky Lynch's match um, 
her like the best matches came against Charlotte Flair. Think about that. Them two have great in-ring chemistry. And I'm not saying that Charlotte is a bad wrestler. I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes she does overshoot some of her shit. And either way, she's great in the ring. She's a great shit talker. Great smack talker. And she definitely gets that from her father. But I think um, to credit her, I think she should be champion and not Bailey. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Clash of yeah class of champions i think that she's going to get her title shot against bailey and i think finally bailey is not going to be smackdown live women's champion because she's been a boring champion sorry guys but i don't like it and uh the other thing that happened on smackdown live was um the revival and randy orton versus the new day and the revival unexpectedly popped up on this week's smackdown live and it was reported by yet again Brad Shepard that the Revival were backstage on SmackDown and all of a sudden you see the, the Revival pop up uh, at the beginning of SmackDown Live so you tell me if uh, some of his sources are um, horrible I don't think so I'm a good judge of character and I'm a good judging person and I can judge people very well eh you guys gotta take a step back with Brad Shepard I mean, of course, uh, the question is, um, are we going to get Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton again at Clash of Champions? Of course we are. The match ended in a 10-out countout for each man. A double countout. Of course we are going to get that match again. You guys got to think, why did WWE do that? Well, because one, they want to protect Kofi Kingston, and two, they weren't ready for Kofi Kingston to drop the belt yet, but they knew that Randy Orton is the person to get that belt off of Kofi Kingston. So, I mean, things got off to a great start this week, uh, but, you know, of course, the question like becomes whether or not they are merely a placeholder or maybe a fill-in type of match at Night of Champions. Uh, maybe their plan is to transition them uh, from Raw or SmackDown. I'm talking about uh, the Revival now. Hopefully, maybe the Revival will transition to SmackDown uh, just in time for the um, you know the soft brand split that will be happening again. Uh, they're quietly going into that, so hopefully that will be the case. But again, with Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston, don't know what's going to be happening with that. But hopefully, hopefully... Randy Orton will be getting into uh, his 14th reign as champion. And for me, I mean, like, that's all that I have, like, for SmackDown. SmackDown was, I don't know, like, rather boring. You also had uh, Daniel Bryan uh, turn in, uh, basically saying, I'm, like, I'll tell you guys next week who has been involved in all this. It's not me, it's not Rowan, and it's not Buddy Murphy, but I'll tell you who it is next week to Roman Reigns. So we have that to look forward to uh, on SmackDown. Hopefully, it will be Luke Harper because he's been doing nothing but just tweeting, hey, it's Monday, you know what that means. Hey, it's Tuesday, you know what that means. It's a little weird, but whatever. I mean, I can dig it. I, I feel bad for Luke Harper. Um so anyways but that's it that i have for monday and tuesday's shows uh right now i have a couple uh breaking news that has been happening around the wwe ruled world so 
I'm gonna roll the music and I will get into that. So, around the WWE right now, uh, like the talk of WWE that's going on, Busy weekend, that's for sure. Uh, and of course, my laptop wants to die on me when I want to do this. It's not it, how the world fucking works. Anyways, uh, but a couple interesting uh, things that are happening around WWE. Paige, uh, she underwent a successful neck surgery. Um, turns out that she's probably going to be off the shelves uh, for a little bit of time, if you want to call it that. And Wow, my god, she looks really good. She lost weight, I think. Jesus. Anyways. Uh, like I said before, uh, I think that she's going to be off the shelves for a little bit. So ex don't expect her to be coming back for the Kabuki Warriors. Whatever the fuck the like whatever the fuck they're called. I don't really give two shits for them. Uh, like I said, uh, when I was doing the Raw uh, segment, Strowman is being discussed for a universal title pursuit. Uh, let's see here. In an interview with uh, the gorilla position of uh, WrestlingInc.com's uh, Robert Gunnier, uh, Strowman discussed why he hasn't won the universal title yet and whether that championship might be in the future. And uh, Braun Strowman then uh, responded, and I quote, the powers that be aren't ready for me for the Universal Champion. One of the biggest things is that I'm running out of opponents. I beat everybody. That's the biggest thing. I feel like we're where we're at right now, we're trying to get some other guys more established because let's be for real, not everybody can match up to what I've done and what I'm capable of doing. So I feel like that's part of the biggest thing, just timing wise. Everything happens for a reason in this business. Everything that you see going on right now has literally been in the works for a year, two years already. So we plan so far ahead, honestly, as well, I don't feel like where I'm at with my character gives me a reason to need a title. He then continues, I get some, if not the biggest reactions of the night when I come out of anywhere in the world with just me. And a title without a doubt is what I want to be holding. The universal title is the most prestigious thing in WWE. Absolutely to represent the company in that way would be great. But if I don't need it, I don't need it." End quote. So with all that, um, obviously I think Braun Strowman is very, he's very content with just going off and doing his own thing. So. I don't know, maybe uh, maybe WWE doesn't really need to have that title on him, just like he says. Um, another thing, Lesnar is scheduled to appear on SmackDown Fox's debut. One can only hope that maybe he'll get that title off of Kofi Kingston. Man, that'd be wonderful. Sorry, I just need to get a drink. Yeah, no. According to Wrestling Inc.'s uh, Mark Middleton, uh, at Staples Center in Los Angeles is advertising Brock Lesnar to appear on the show. It will double as a SmackDown 20th special as well, with legends as Hulk Hogan, Sting, Ric Flair, Kurt Angle, Goldberg, Trista, Alita, jo what the fuck? Mick Foley, Mark Hen- Dude. <laughs> 
I mean, if, if, if you want to elevate superstars, don't have another Raw reunion. You gotta get superstars that is on your roster right now and elevate them. Get them ready for the TV show. Not just a cheap ratings pop. That's all that they're doing right here. And you're listening to me live when I'm reading this. This is my true reaction. Wow. Alright. Whatever. That is... That is fucking ridiculous. Holy shit. Alright, whatever. Uh, in other news, though, uh, you have Bray Wyatt... He's coming out with new merch, and ever since uh, he has put merch on the WWE shop, WWE shop has noticed a huge percentage boost. Over 200% over profit, and that is saying something. I'm seeing this on, um, on Ringside News. You guys can definitely go download Ringside News on either Apple or um, Android uh, uh, devices. But that's that's a great thing for Bray Wyatt. I know I'm going to get a shirt. Um, other news, you have Lars Sullivan. He is expected to return sometime in the fall of 2020. That's just what I'm hearing, but whatever. Another injury update. Um, Bobby Lashley, expect him to return this fall. So, in case if any of you really care about Bobby Lashley, he's going to be returning. Uh, what else do we... Oh, yeah, here. All right. Uh, according to Brad Shepard, his source said that they aren't buying Kofi Kingston's natural-style superstar as somebody who beats down on somebody else. People in the back aren't buying it. So obviously, if people in the back aren't buying that Kofi Kingston can be a bully like Randy Orton, obviously, in the people in the back of WWE, they really don't um, believe that Kofi Kingston can be this Billy Badass type of person. I mean, let's face it, I think I've, I have more muscles than Kofi Kingston. Sorry, just being honest. Another thing that's being uh, in consideration, WWE is considering doing an Evolution 2. According to Brad Shepard again, if they go through with it, they are thinking about doing a farewell match for Lita. And if that happens, I will definitely tune in for Evolution. I thought Evolution, uh, the first one last year, was very good with um, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in it. And I thought that their match was the match of the night that year. But I do like that type of match that will be happening. Uh, a couple more things, and then I'm going to be signing off here. Uh, Alicia Fox. If any of you have been hearing what has been going on for Alicia Fox uh, at um, WWE now, uh, she's been in a little trouble with uh, the drinking and the yoo-hoo. <laughs> but she's had a pretty good weekend for herself, though. Started to party off way too hard. According to a source, over the SummerSlam weekend that Fox needed to get uh, escorted out of a bar. And so right now, Alicia Fox, she needs help. She was sent home this weekend after the main event, after getting into an altercation in a bar with somebody and uh, enforcements needed to come in. According to Brad Shepard again, he was told there are, that there was a creative meeting after Monday Night Raw this week and that went into the wee hours 
and Vince was so happy about Monday Night Raw and uh, SummerSlam, he gave Paul Heyman so much praise that he even said it out loud and gave Paul Heyman public credit. Apparently, this is something that Vince never usually does. So, the, the like for him to do this, uh, I guess he has a lot of praise for uh, Paul Heyman. I guess it's Paul Heyman's idea uh, to keep Bray Wyatt off of TV and um, and off of um, Raw and have him go um, on SmackDown and going away with the wild card rule. So. But with Bray Wyatt not being on uh, the shows is the best thing that WWE could do for his character, like I said in the beginning. So if Paul Heyman is behind it, kudos to him. He knows what the fuck he's doing. Give it time. I think the show can be on its way to the glory days that we know to be Monday Night Raw and Thursday Night SmackDown. Not Friday Night SmackDown. Monday Night Raw and Thursday Night SmackDown. I wish SmackDown went to fucking Thursdays and not Friday. I'm not going to be watching SmackDown when it goes to Fridays on Fox, but whatever. What do I know? But, hey, that's going to do it for me, guys. Uh, if, you, if you enjoyed my podcast today, um, please leave me a negative five-star review. And if you like what you hear, and if you're still not subscribed to me, hit that subscribe button at the podcast on apple Podcasts because i know apple Podcasts you can subscribe and you can subscribe also on spotify if you like what you hear though please leave me a negative five-star review on the apple podcast i'm on apple podcast spotify and i'm also on google podcast i'm on breaker uh, and uh, like i don't know where else i'm gonna be but anchor they're doing me a favor and they're putting me on a, a bunch of platforms so basically on any podcast form you can definitely listen to me on but again thank you all very much for joining me here on episode number 12 of the PTP show, Pardon the Pipe Bomb. I will see you guys next week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys later.